Can a progressive black woman win in the middle of Kentucky? Well, let's find out. Uh, Representative Attica Scott is joining us now. She's a state rep, but she's running for uh, the United States Congress in the third district of Kentucky. Attica, welcome. Thank you so much, I appreciate you. Uh, no problem. Uh, so this is Johnny Armand's whole seat. Um, so presumably it is a Democratic uh, seat. So for those of you who don't know, Johnny Armas is of course a Democrat, he retired. Uh, but I actually thought he was pretty good among the non-progressives. He might have been one of the better ones, but I, I, I'm sure you know his record way better than I do. But uh, the point of that question though, overall, Attica, is is it still a solidly Democratic? Is there so much redistricting? That's why I asked. Is it still a solidly Democratic seat or no? It's still a solidly Democratic seat, and even more so with redistricting. It's about 60% Democrat. Okay, all right. Uh, and, and in redistricting, they make uh, some of the districts way more Democratic so they can stuff all the Democratic voters in one district. And so they can have an advantage in all the others. So, okay, good. So that means it's mainly about the primary. Um, so you're the progressive in the race. Um, first, let's just discuss why. Uh, so w what are the issues that you're campaigning on that would give people confidence that you're the more progressive candidate in the race? Well, I was recruited by young people with the Sunrise Louisville movement here for years asking me to run because they wanted a champion in for climate action and climate justice. They wanted someone who supported the Green New Deal and they knew it was me. I'm also supported by people in the West End of Louisville where I live, which is a predominantly black part of the city that's often ignored and left behind. And so they wanted someone who's gonna stand up and fight for justice. And then folks in the predominantly white parts of the city in the East End support me because they want somebody who's gonna fight for abortion access and not walk away from votes and stand up and be a loud voice for reproductive justice. So those are just some of the issues that I'm running on. So Representative Scott, I don't know much about your race other than what I've read in a couple of articles. But I'm going to guess blindly here that your primary opponent is a corporate Democrat who has tons and tons of money and is generally supported by the establishment. Well, he's got nearly a million dollars, if not more, and is definitely supported by the establishment. Um, that's been very clear in this race. Of course, okay. So is there any indication of who's leading, what the status of the race is? So we have not done any polling ourselves. Um, we do know that there was already a, an attack poll um, issued against us that attacked immigrants, um, attacked public education, attacked uh, people who want police accountability. So it was a, a very ugly attack poll. But as far as the polling uh, data that says uh, who's ahead and, and who's not, we don't have that information. So what's your main pitch both in the primary and to the general elect electorate in Kentucky? My pitch in the primary is, look, you want someone who can defeat the Republican in November, and I can clearly do that. And we want someone who's going to go to Washington, D.C. and go toe-to-toe -to -toe with Mitch McConnell, go toe-to-toe -to -toe with the other Republicans in the House, and that is me. People in Kentucky know that. They know that I've gone toe-to-toe -to -toe with Republicans on our public access channel. I don't hold back. I'm not trying to smoke cigars or play golf with them. I'm clear that I'm standing up and fighting for equity, fairness, and justice. That's who you want coming out of this primary. That's who you want to win in November. And that's who you want representing the 3rd Congressional District in DC in January. 
So in my experience, progressives fight Republicans way harder. And there's a reason for that. The reason the corporate Democrats, the conservative Democrats don't fight the Republicans that hard is because they have the same donors. So they don't want to upset their donors who are also donating to the Republican, either specifically in that race or at large, right? Whereas progressives not taking the corporate PAC money, don't give a damn about the feelings of the Republicans and their donors. So in a race like this, especially in a, in a um, district that's 60% Democratic, and, and it sounds like based on what you're saying, significant minority percentage in the, in the district as well, you're definitely the more electable candidate. I, I, it's nearly inarguable, but my guess is people would argue it anyway. <laughs> so, uh, and, and I'm curious again, I don't know this, how's the media uh, treating the race and treating you uh, in, in, in your neck of the woods? Well, it shouldn't be a surprise that when I announced in July of last year that immediately there were attacks. But I've seen other black women candidates for Congress say the same thing, sadly. And even when Congressman Yarmouth announced his retirement in October, there were still attacks on me being in the race. And so we have chosen not to try to run this race in local media. We've we're running this race on the ground in community, talking to our neighbors, knocking on folks' doors, showing up everywhere because we know that's how we'll get to victory on May 17th. Mm-hmm. So now, uh, Representative Scott, these days, um, honestly, the, the voting base has gotten so burned uh, by Democrats not doing what they said. Um, and the, the six progressives that are called a squad, delivered at the end when they were the only ones that voted no on the decoupling of the infrastructure and build back better. They were proven right and they earned tons of loyalty and credibility by doing that. But everyone else listened to democratic leadership. So we've seen a lot of progressives and people saying that they're progressive say, "Oh, I'm gonna fight, Oh, I'm gonna do these progressive things. And then they get into Washington and Nancy Pelosi says no and they immediately bow their head, immediately. So can how do how do we know you're not going to do that? Well, I don't know how to do that. So when I served on Louisville Metro Council, I was able to get big legislation passed like banning the box on job applications, restoration of voting rights, living wage increase became the first southern city to raise the living wage. I sponsored those bills. And in Frankfurt, I have voted no on a number of bills that my Democratic colleagues have voted yes on. I've stood up to our governor and voted no on some bills that he wanted the Democrats to vote for because it wasn't about the party for me. This was about the people that I represent who until I was elected didn't have a black woman serving in our state legislature for two decades. And so they sent me because they knew that I was gonna fight for and with them. When all of my Democratic colleagues except for two voted for the gang bill to target black and Latinx youth. All of my Democratic colleagues voted for it, three of us voted no. So I'm not here for um, uh, to be a stand for the Democratic Party. I'm here for the people who know what it's like not to be represented in the halls of government. All right, uh, I love that kind of talk. Um, Attica for Congress.com. Uh, so you mentioned the living wage bill. Uh, tell us more about that. What was that about in Kentucky? Definitely. So this was uh, about uh, ten years ago, and at the time we were fighting for ten ten an hour. Um, and now we're, we're, we're trying to get 15 and we know that's not enough either. But we were fighting for 10, 10 an hour. The mayor of Louisville 
uh, did not support a 10-10 raise. And so he pushed back and fought us on that. And we ended up only being able to get a dollar increase, but we became the first Southern city to do so. And sadly, two years later, the Kentucky Supreme Court struck that down shortly after they asked for a raise for themselves and said that the state um, has to raise the minimum wage. So we fought, we got it. And for two years, people were able to make ends meet. So. I read somewhere about 20 years. I forget if it's the Kentucky didn't hasn't had a black woman represent them in U.S. Congress or in the state legislature for legislature for 20 years. But you're so you were your win in the state legislature was already historic, right? And and you talk about the how you got the bill passed anyway, despite the the objections on the living wage bill, etc. So. How did you do all that? I mean, it's a kind of a funny, broad question, but because winning these races is not easy, especially when you don't have a ton of money and politics is not your background. So, how did you wind up doing all those things? You're absolutely right. Politics is not my background. I'm the first person in my family to ever serve in office. I grew up in the projects of Beach of Terrace here in Louisville, and but I made it my business. I knew that building black political power in particular was one of the paths forward for us. And so I made it my business to get involved with politics. I was elected as the first black woman in 20 years to serve in our state legislature. And we're about to make history again. I will be the first democratic woman to ever serve from Kentucky in Congress. The first black woman to ever serve from Kentucky in Congress. So we have the chance to make history. The reason why I was able to get those big bills passed at the local level is because I worked with my colleagues, both Democrats and Republicans. We got unanimous support for ban the box, unanimous support for restoration of voting rights because I went to my Republican colleagues and was able to talk to them about why these bills were important. There's a whole lot of stuff we didn't agree on and we go toe to toe over those and that's just fine. But where we can agree, it was important to me for the people who would benefit from those bills for me to work with my colleagues across the aisle. Sorry, well, let me ask you a tough follow up question then. Because yeah, that might happen at the state level, but honestly, it's not gonna happen at the national level. If you go talk to your Republican colleagues, they're not gonna give you anything. They'll vote no, all of them on all of the bills, right? And but that's not even the real problem. The real problem it will be your Democratic colleagues, people like Manchin and Cinema, and they will kill all of your hopes and dreams. Now, the current plan for the Democrats has been, oh, okay, then surrender. What would be your plan? How in the world do you get $15 minimum wage passed when Manchin and Cinema say no? That's an excellent question, and you're exactly right. My reality in the state legislature has been that for my first five years in office, they didn't hear one bill by a black person, not one. Um, and there wasn't an outcry by my Democratic colleagues to say, you know, this is blatantly racist. Uh, we have to fight that battle as best we could. And so I know that that's going to be the reality when I go to Washington, D.C. But I also know because my background is community activism and organizing, having worked with uh, uh, Jobs with Justice, uh, that one of the ways that we are able to gain traction is when we build momentum among the people, right? Because oftentimes, um, progress isn't only seen in legislation, but it's also seen in what you build among the people and build their political power. And so that's what I've done as a state rep, and that's what I want to do when I go to DC. I want people to see themselves 
belonging in Washington DC. I want them to know how that process actually works. I don't want it to be something they feel like they can't touch. I want them to know that we're gonna be serving in the people's house and they have every right to know what's going on there. And I'm gonna share that back with people. Now I'm gonna do my best to get legislation passed. And I'm gonna work with my colleagues to make that happen. And one of the ways that I'm gonna do that is I'm gonna show up in DC on day one. And I'm gonna talk to my colleagues to ask what's your area of expertise? What is it that you are passionate about? What do you believe in? And I'm gonna share what I'm passionate about, and what I believe in. And then together we're gonna figure out how we move forward. All right, Attica for congress.com, Representative Attica Scott. Thank you so much for joining us, we appreciate it. Thank you so much. No problem. Are there good guy packs to fight bad guy packs? Well, there are, I know because I'm involved in one. It's called Rebellion Pack. And we're bringing on our executive director, Brianna Wu, to talk about a particular race that Rebellion Pack is involved in. That's the Nina Turner, Chantel Brown race in Cleveland. Brianna, welcome. Thank you so much, it's always a pleasure to be here. Uh, good to have you here. Now, uh, Brianna, we've got a new ad that we're gonna show people for the first time here. Um, so why don't we run that one first, and then we'll talk about it. Charlemagne the God is frustrated by politicians, except for one amazing woman. Here's what Charlemagne said about her on The Breakfast Club. I'm going to donate right now. I don't know why I just don't set up the monthly thing and let them well, do I think it. You, you've been supportive of me, you really have. I feel very much a part of this family, I love you guys. Who is that? Good news, that's Nina Turner, and she's running right here in Cleveland. Did you know 47% of black folks make less than $15 an hour? Nina is the champion of a $15 minimum wage. She's not going to stop until we raise everyone's wages. Cricket politicians keep telling you why you should not get paid more. Send Nina to Congress to fight for us and get us the raise we all deserve. She is the only one who's earned our trust. Vote for Nina Turner on May 3rd. Uh, Brianna, it looks like uh, it's emphasizing trust uh, because with all the money being spent on these races, there's so much deceptive advertising in this race, it's hard for people to know who to trust. So when you see uh, people that you know, like Charlemagne the God, et cetera, that might make a difference. Uh, but that leads me to the question of how much money is being spent on these uh, races? How much dark money is in is in this race this time around, roughly? Yeah, Jake, it's absolutely astonishing. Uh, there's one pack uh, in particular. It's a it's a pro-Israel pack that has donated close to a million dollars to Chantel Brown in this race. And you know, we look at the airwaves down there. We're getting outspent, and a lot of the reason why Nina, we felt a real need to get involved in this race is Nina needs some help. We're the good guys here. You know, she doesn't have, uh, you know, a bunch of people handing her three million dollars for her to get in this race and uh, you know, flood the airways. So we have to do what we can and we have to do it harder and smarter than the other people. Uh, what Rebellion has done is we went and did a bunch of polling before we started to figure out what kind of issues would be very salient with people in Cleveland. And you know, it's the same stuff you talk about on this show every single night. It is $15 minimum wage tested through the roof. It's Medicare for all. It's protecting voting rights. And what people want to hear from our research is just somebody giving it to them straight. They don't want to hear a politician telling them something. They want to hear it like it's a friend telling it to them at their coffee table. 
Yeah, so um, Democrats promised $15 minimum wage, but they didn't do anything about it. And when um, not only Republicans, but corporate Democrats in the Senate voted against it, and was just mentioned in cinema, eight of them voted against it. Um, all the rest of the Democrats uh, laid down and did nothing. Now, we're pretty sure Nina Turner would not be in that camp. But we're not the only ones that's sure of that, right, Brianna? Because in the last time these two ran against each other, the pack you're talking about, Democratic Majority for Israel, sent out a mailer about Nina's position on $15 minimum wage. Do you remember what it said on it? I do. They were completely misconstruing her position on this, making it seem like Nina Turner, the people's champion, Cleveland's champion, Nina Turner, like she would stand against a $15 minimum wage. It's it, it was oh, it was the most dishonest attack I think I've ever seen in my entire political career. And both of us ran for office, so we've seen quite a few of them. Uh, you know, it's it's just it's this kind of a filth that really makes people lose faith in, in politicians and in the democratic process. Yeah, I want to return to something you were talking about earlier, which is you know, the Democrats have not done anything on this. You know, all of us, your 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 viewers, all of us, we even though Joe Biden was not our candidate. We held our nose and we helped him get elected. And I am not the only Democrat that's been extremely disappointed by how much they're following through. They can tell us all day long how bad the Republicans are, and they are. But the Republicans are not asking for our votes, Democrats are. If they want us to show up, they need to give us a reason. And that's why I want to get people like Nina Turner into office. People that will fight, people that won't lay down, you know, people they're going to deliver. Helptherebellion.com to do more ads. Every ad is another voter that we reach or many voters that we reach. And look, it's on on that, mailer that Democratic Majority for Israel sent out. They just flat out lied about Nina Turner's position on $15 minimum wage and three other positions, including Medicare for all. When in fact, Chantel Brown has now backed away from Medicare for all. Of course, of course, they never <laughs> intended it. They used the dark money to lie to the voters to trick them into voting for these corporate candidates. We could use our money to actually tell the truth, help the rebellion.com and get that to the voters. So, uh, Brianna, there's another uh, commercial uh, that uh, Rebellion Pack's running. I want to show that one and then talk about that as well. Let's watch. Nina Turner said we should fight for our $15 minimum wage, Medicare for all, and voting rights. But Chantel Brown said we should not fight. We should be civil toward Joe Manchin, Kristen Sinema, and other opponents of the Democratic agenda. She preferred civility to getting anything done. You're right, that's a terrible idea. Frederick Douglass said, power never concedes without a demand. Send Nina Turner to demand higher wages, universal health care, and voting rights. This time, instead of someone looking out for themselves, let's pick someone who is looking out for us. Send Nina in to demand justice and fight for Cleveland. So Brianna, there's two different things there. There's the issues and there's the issue of civility versus fighting. So that's style, right? Um, so as you said, there's polling on it. Um, if the people of Cleveland of the 11th district knew the actual positions of Nina Turner versus Chantel Brown, is there any question who would win? 
No, of course not. It's a question of who can get their message out, right? Which is really hard to do when you have, you know, basically dark money pouring into the race to misrepresent your positions. It's absolutely abysmal. And you know, Jake, I'm going to break some news for you tonight on this show. You know, you were so brave and you stepped up and you put $25,000 of your own money into this race. I want to tell you tonight. I'm going to match that with $10,000 of my own money. I work a lot of races and I don't get attached to all of them, but I've been watching Nina for a long time. She is a truly once in a cycle candidate. She is, she's amazing. She's gotta win, this is do or die for the Democrats and I'm putting my money where, where my mouth is. So anything TYT listeners donate, to helptherebellion.com tonight. I will personally match that up to $10,000. We've absolutely got to win this thing. That's amazing. I literally didn't know that. She surprised me with that. Um, I did. <laughs> okay, so thank I've you. Been thinking about it all day. I'm like, I am in. We've got to win this thing. Talk is not enough. This is a really important race. If we can't win this, if we can't get our champion in, I just, I, I really despair for where our country is going to go. This election is in about a week. In fact, early voting started now. So if you're in Cleveland, you're in the 11th district, you've got to vote. You you know anybody in Cleveland, make sure that they vote. It's so important. It's the most important congressional race. And 25K for me, 10,000 for Brianna, it's no joke. Those are, we're not like the dark money guys with the millions of dollars and they don't, they don't know what to do with it. We And so that those those are big devastating numbers for us. Please match the 10K that Brianna's putting in. Helptherebellion.com. If you match it, we've got a fighter's chance. Every dollar helps to reach a voter, okay? So they've got plenty of them. I mean, we just looked at it today. In the in the last race, there was over 4 million spent against Nina Turner. Several packs that on the issue of Israel. And if you're wondering what, where, what, why? Cleveland and Israel, what does that have to do with anything? Um, the Intercept <laughs> broke a story, guys, where um, Chantel Brown was putting a red box on her website and then had quotes from Democratic Majority for Israel leaders on the website. It, it's a long story, but the short version of that, and you can read the Intercept's article on it, is she is inviting dark money donors and these specific dark money donors into the campaign. So they'll spend millions of dollars in independent expenditures and they're doing it again this time. So we don't have any choice, we must fight back. And again, if Nina Turner doesn't win, they'll say, "Oh yeah, they had a battle of ideas, absurd, <laughs> and Chantel won. No, and by the way, on Democratic Majority for Israel, we're not pulling any punches. They're pouring millions into this race and Chantel Brown is Supporting them on the on the Iran deal, for example, she said she support Biden. She isn't. She's supporting a Democratic majority for Israel's position instead. So we're going to have an ad on that coming out soon, aren't we, Brianna? Absolutely, yeah, absolutely, Jake. I want to say something about this. You know, if Rebellion Pack, you know, intuition drives the research that we do, and then research drives the decisions that we make. And we've we've done a lot of research into Cleveland, figuring out you know what issues are salient there, what do voters care about. I have never 
seen a single point of data in my entire life that shows anyone in Cleveland is concerned about the Iran deal ever. It's never come up in any research we've ever done. So you know, my real objection here is it's, it's about the corruption, right? You can have a position on this or that, but when you start just pouring money into a system to essentially buy a candidate's votes, it's, it's the way the system is broken for all of us. And I think it's so egregious when it's coming at the expense of someone who very clearly stands for Cleveland on the hard issues. $15 minimum wage. I did not understand just how endemic poverty was in Cuyahoga County until I started working this race. You know, I saw the number of people in Cleveland that were trying to make it on under $15,000 a year. You know, that $15 minimum wage. That's a lot of money in people's pocket. And I really resent that someone could come in with a political agenda that really has nothing to do with the district itself and essentially buy the policies that they want. It's everything that just churns people's stomachs about American politics. Yeah, and guys, don't get stuck on the fact that it's Democratic majority for Israel. It could be Democratic majority for Norway or for Saudi Arabia or for plumbers or dentists. It doesn't make a difference. The bottom line is when somebody puts in several million dollars into your race and they say it is for fill in the blank, in this case Israel, they're buying your vote. That's that's why they put the money in, right? So and and what do we care about a rebellion pact? We actually want the people in Ohio to have $15 minimum wage. <laughs> Currently in Ohio, the federal minimum wage applies. It's no joke, people are getting that, $7.25. This would double their salaries. It would, if Nina Turner wins and she fights for $15 minimum wage and, and actually gets it, it would double a lot of people's salaries in Cleveland. So this makes all the difference. Helptherebellion.com, helptherebellion.com. We'll have the link down below if you're watching on YouTube or Facebook. Brianna Wu, Executive Director of Rebellion Pack, thank you for joining us, we appreciate it. Happy to be here.